welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. I'm Sheng Peng, editor-in-chief of San Jose Hockey Now. You can also find my work at MEC Sharks and at Twitter at Sheng underscore Peng. And I'm King McNally. You can find my work at Twitter at halfwall underscore hockey uh, or my website half-wallhockey.com or at San Jose Hockey Now uh, where I post about uh, Sharks prospects. Uh, this week, we're going to go over some uh, interesting training camp cuts and decisions. Uh, we also yes. have a... Uh, Ryan Miller interview. A huge guest, yeah, great guest, mm-hmm. great interview. Yeah, he um, comes and, and talks all about his new position with the Sharks, where he's going to be taking over as um, goaltending scout and goaltending development coach for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, great interview, worth a listen. He has a time. really interesting place, too, just as a teaser, guys. It's a really interesting place in Sharks, pre-Sharks history. <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, I, I, I bet you've never heard before. Yeah, he predates... A lot of shorts. Oh, let's not. Yeah, let's let's not let's not give it all away. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Shang, start us off. What, what's the news for this week? Yeah. Uh, so uh, today, uh, this is a huge news because this really clarifies uh, how the Sharks will probably uh, open the season, at least up front. Uh, they waived uh, Ryan Carpenter, Jacob Peterson, and uh, Oscar Limblom, and um, you, for me. Uh, um, not too many surprises in a way. I mean, I predicted since the summer that uh, that Lindblom and Peterson, you know, after the Sharks added everybody that they added up front uh, during the summer, Granlin, Hoffman, Duclair, that it'd just be a numbers game. And I also thought that um, Eklund, even though he's waiver exempt, would perform well enough to stay up, and it looks like he mm-hmm. will. Um, so, but anyway, just a quick little uh, mention, though, about Limblom, Peterson, and Carpenter. First, though, uh, with Carpenter, I'll say right up that uh, I was wrong. Um, we, uh, Keegan and I, last week, we kind of predicted if Logan Couture uh, misses the beginning of the season, uh, which uh, forward would kind of take uh, the, the, his, his place. Mm-hmm. And um, I said uh, Ryan Carpenter, and um, Keegan said Thomas Bordalo. Right now, it looks like Bordalo is tracking, uh, unless... Yep. Contour is magically is ready opening night. But let me just uh, talk about Carpenter for a second. Um, mm-hmm. So my, my thinking with that was that I thought the Sharks, even without Couture, were pretty set up the middle with Hurdle, Granlin, and uh, Sturm as your third-line center in, in, in this case. And then Carpenter has been a, you know, a solid fourth-line center in NHL for the last uh, five or so years. Um, but I would, and also too with Bordalo too. When we talked last week, Bordalo had just come off a pretty rough game. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. A pretty rough game in, uh, over the weekend uh, against mm-hmm. the against the Kings. He was not very good in that game, and so I thought that I was trending in, in in that direction. Just the camp in general, and you know Bordalo's sort of uh, obvious offensive flashes, but um, you know this carelessness with the puck and and, and that sort of thing. Um, I will say with Carpenter, uh, though, that um, in this camp, and I've sort of kind of heard around that, you know, that, you know, maybe Carpenter wasn't so strong in his last game. And so maybe that could be uh, what helped to do Carpenter in. And also, obviously, Bordalo has scored in back-to-back games. In the... Um... I'm not taking victory laps on it because I think because <laughs> I think Bordalo actually. If, if, if Logan is healthy, um, then I think Bordalo goes down. So. Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, Bordalo did more in the two games than I thought he would to secure that position. Like I, that was just he he did he had really good games um, from Bordalo. He looked comfortable. He didn't look like he was forcing too much. He had flashes where he was like using his hands and um, getting around guys. Well, and the goals he scored he were two both goals, impressive, yeah. right? But yeah, yeah. they showed they were the like net. lucky goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were quick yeah, they hands, were like, right? Yeah, quick hand, quick plays. Um, he looked quick, like he was uh, comfortable. Quick thinking. Yeah. 
Yeah. And um, so he did more than I thought he would. I just, the reason why I picked him is because I also looked, because Carpenter's was signed basically to a two-way deal with the Sharks. And that sure. doesn't mean much. Sometimes, like, the two-way deal, it's, it's only a one-way deal and they stay in the NHL. But all of his prior contracts for, like, four or five years had been one-way deals. And that told me that the Sharks maybe were really thinking that he's going to be, like, your number one center on the Barracuda kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, and speaking to honestly, replace. too, that Carpenter mm-hmm. is, like, I believe 33. And so, yep. you know, so so that, that could be a factor, too, just in his play that, you know, yeah, like, because yeah. last year, too, he spent most of the season in, in the AHL. I had a really good season in the AHL, by the way. So Barracuda are <laughs> getting a, a great really player. good player. Yeah. He's like a very and, uh, classic fourth-line slash AHL type. Right, which player. is why I thought, you know, I thought that Bortolo uh, would not be able to. Mm-hmm. We know Bortolo's skill. No one no one, no one, one would argue with it, you know, that. And I yeah. think he has top-six skill. I don't question that. But just the other areas of the game mm-hmm. and the consistency, and that's still an issue, you know. I, so I don't think that Bortolo can you know, uh, uh, you know, safely, you know, be with the Sharks, you know, like he's going to be there necessarily the whole season, you know, but consistency yeah. is still an issue, you know, just talking about that LA game over the weekend. And even uh, last night in Salt Lake City, uh, Quinn uh, mentioned that even though he thought it was Bortolo's best game, he also did not like Bortolo's first period. And he, he, he specified that. And so I think uh, with a lot of young players, not just the, not just the Bordolo, that uh, um, mm-hmm. a lack of consistency is going to rear its head, especially, especially with a, a guy like Thomas, that it has been, I think, a little bit of an issue uh, the last couple of years. But uh, once again, though, the, the talent is uh, indisputable. So I'm glad that uh, we're going to get to yeah. see it. You know, he's going to – he looks like – you know, again, w- these are not final. These rosters – uh, rosters are going to be submitted, are due to be submitted uh, Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. Pacific. And then it becomes public uh, Tuesday openly. And then during Monday, you know, I'll, I'll work and see if I can find anything, uh, get, get, some, get some heads up on some guys. But um, anyway, so it's not official until, until yeah. Monday. Um, yeah. But it gives, guy... it gives Bortolo a little bit of an opportunity here to really show that he could. Because we, we talked about Bortolo's fit, and it's yeah. like, this is this is the time. <laughs> if he can is, somehow yeah. stick into a top-nine role and, like, look good on, like, a third line or a second line, you know, that could take him far. But we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I mean, I believe he has to be qualified into the season. He's he's not a – yeah, he's some kind of uh, – it's, it's complicated. I, I was reading about it earlier, Bortolo's free agent status. Year. Yeah. It was a two-year ELC because he came yeah. out of college, I think. Yeah, so, so something, is. something like I think the Sharks. I think what it is, the Sharks have to qualify him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not an RFA in the sense of like teams oh. can make offer sheets to afford yeah. him. So he's like, like it's the... just it's just really up to the Sharks. The only decision is do the Sharks qualify him or not. That's all they have mm-hmm. to do. They don't have to worry about if they qualify him. You know, a team can offer. Not that a team would, but yeah. you know, just he's got like, the he's got the current Shane Pinto deal. If you've been following the Shane is that what Pinto it is? Side. No, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Shane Pinto can't be offer sheeted. He can't. He's kind of just stuck if he wants. Like, okay. Basically, he has to sign a contract with Ottawa or not play. Right. Right. <laughs> That's right. Kind of it. Um, uh, but anyway, I just want to uh, uh, drop a, a brief note about uh, Peterson and Lindblom before we we talk about sort of mm-hmm. the. the the rest of the roster and, and how it's shaping up. Um, I wanted to add too that, uh, that David Quinn was, you know, very careful to stress, and he did this all last year too. Just because you get waived doesn't mean that your NHL road is over. You know, he he brings up, he's told the story many times that you know Scott Harrington, right, signed to a PTO by the Sharks last uh, off season. I don't believe Scott. Uh, well, Scott was waived before the beginning of the season for sure. I think he went to Europe with them, but he, uh, yeah, he 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 didn't play mm-hmm. any games anyway. So he was he was waived. Uh, or after they came back, he he, he was waived, and 
that sounds like the kind of guy PTO waived. Okay, this guy is done. This guy's not coming back to the Sharks. Obviously, you know, Scott, uh, you know, played pretty well with the Barracuda. Yeah. You know, the Sharks had injuries or whatever, right? And so Scott came up and he was with the Sharks just to, to, for the rest of the season. And so uh, guys like uh, Ryan, Oscar, and Jacob, that very much uh, could happen. Uh, mm -hmm. But brief note about uh, Oscar Limblom and uh, Jacob Peterson. Uh, first with Oscar Limblom, you know, the thing is, um, I think that, uh, that, that Oscar is still, and we saw this last year, you know, he played pretty much every game last year. He's still a smart player, a good penalty killer. You can trust kind of where he's going to be on the ice systems, that sort of thing, right? And he's going to yeah. give you his best. But there just was no offensive juice uh, uh, last, very little at least. There were a couple games here and there that I wrote about. But in general, he couldn't really put together any consistent offensive push. And um, in training camp, I was looking for, for, for Oscar to stand out and to be, you know, like, like Eklund has stand, stood out in the opportunities that, 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 that he's had, right? He hasn't been perfect, but he has, you know, made plays, you know, um, at times. And you just didn't see that with, with Oscar due to preseason and scrimmages, you know, looked a, a little bit like he was in the same place uh, uh, as he was last year. And so the charts are deeper now. Um, and nobody, you know, Oscar obviously has a pretty big contract, and so no one's going to pick him up, I'm, you know, with guarantee, uh, mm -hmm. almost guarantee. And so he's going to be down with the Barracuda, and, uh, you know, he's going to get a chance to come up, uh, you know, pretty good chance uh, that uh, he'll get a chance to come up. Um, Jacob Peterson is going to surprise some people that he was. Well, Oscar will surprise people because of his contract, but like I sure, said, he just hasn't sure. been good enough. Um, Jacob Peterson will surprise people because last year Peterson put up eight points in 11 games after coming over to trade deadline. But like we talked about, though, um, I found with Peterson in my watches last year, and reason why, again, over the summer, I thought that he wouldn't make the opening night roster. And again, he might, you know, he might come back just as well, too, sure. and, you know, make me eat my words a little bit. I hope he <laughs> does. You know, very nice kid. But, uh, but anyway, though, um, I just didn't see a lot to his game besides, you know, being able to, you know, every, you know, uh, every, every, you know, every period, every few shifts or so, you know, kind of, uh, you know, make a great pass here and there. But there just wasn't much else to his game, in, in my opinion. Um, and so that's why I thought, yeah, you know, like he put up those eight points in 11 games, but that was next to Tomas Hurdle, and he's not going to get a chance probably mm -hmm. with the Deeper Sharks lineup to play with Tomas Hurdle again. And Hurdle's a guy that, uh, as, you know, um, kind of maybe subpar season that Hurdle had last season, clearly he's a guy that still makes, you know, his line mates better, takes up yeah, space yeah. down low and can make plays down low. He just, he, we saw that just like with Barabanov a couple of years ago when Barabanov came on the scene, right? Um, you know, Hurdle helped Peterson. Um, and Peterson wasn't necessarily going to be, you know, your top six forward uh, unless he had a, a killer camp, which he did not. You know, he struggled yeah. in he his... Wasn't really. uh, yeah, in the, his, in his the game, game I watched, I think by the, I guess it was the game, the last game, um, he just kind of looked invisible, mostly. And he was, like, yeah. on the fourth line. So it wasn't like he had, like, a ton of opportunity right, right. and all that. But, but you got to make something, really right? Like, Giovanni much, Smith yeah. is a guy that, like, on the fourth line, right? But when he's out mm. there... Maybe a penalty or two too much, but otherwise, yeah. though, you know, like you on the four check, right? Making making positive plays besides the penalties, and like we talked about, why Smith is here and all these other guys aren't here. Smith has a specific thing he can do, right? He can enforce, but also be physical, intimidate that way. Mm -hmm. But also, too, you know, he does good things as a player, which we did see in the uh, the preseason games. But anyway, I don't know, before we move on, any other thoughts about uh, Oscar or, or Jacob? Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that, that Oscar did get waived just because it kind of, this was the first contract that Mike Greer signed. 
as a as GM. And, it was um, the biggest uh, free agent contract last year. <laughs> yeah, and that, it yeah. just kind of shows that he's 2. not 5 afraid. Million. And, yeah. At least it shows to me that Greer's not afraid to like, I don't know, not admit mistakes, but just be like, all right, this didn't work out. Yeah. We're we're moving on, kind of thing. It didn't quite is, happen. Yeah, like like yeah. Oscar when they signed him, they're hoping that he would get back to the player he was with Philadelphia. <laughs> Uh, that signed a $3 million contract, uh, mm -hmm. AAV, with the Flyers. And, yep. you know, was on 20 goal, a 20-goal pace for a couple of years there. So they're hoping for the responsible the defensive play. But also, too, like a little bit of offense. And Oscar was just, I think, 25 when he was bought out. So it was sure. a perfectly reasonable kind of gamble for a team like the Sharks that were rebuilding and have mm -hmm. space to try guys out, right? Um, so, um, so it was perfectly reasonable. It just didn't work out. And you're right. You know, it's good that Mike... Uh, you know, he is clearly, you know, recognizes that there are Mike and David Quinn, you know, they recognize that there have been better forwards in camp, yeah. including. And they weren't stuck yeah. to it and basically like, well, we signed this yeah. guy, we got to play out his contract kind of thing. And, right, right, and, right, right, right. Uh, as far as Peterson, I think, yeah, it is interesting because last year he looked good and it was a product of March hockey and um, playing on. Uh, a little, a little, honestly, like empty <laughs> calorie production, you know, to some degree, so, you know, so, yeah. But he did, I mean, he's not bad either. He's still, he's like, bad, he still no. was one of the last, like, cuts here, and he could come back up, too. He's probably oh, yeah, yeah, you know, there's, a, there's, sure. a, there's a fair chance, you know, a toxic top nine injury he can fit in. I yeah. don't, I don't think he'll get claimed. I think people are worried that he's going to get claimed, mm. but this time of year, there's, I don't like, think, I would predict he, he, will, he will be, yeah. Yeah, there's this, there's so many people being waived that, it's really only a select few guys that get claimed every year. And yeah, and you sort of need like a top nine spot for him too, to like for yeah. him to like kind of, uh, you know, to get the most out, out of him. Mm -hmm. um, like you so, said, I mean, he, he yeah. was traded for Scott Reedy. So yeah. it's like, that's yeah. his value right now. So hopefully, I mean, it's he, a, um, I mean he raised it a little bit. I'm going to give bit. him that credit, <laughs> but like, but yeah, um, I, I, I would guess I, I would be surprised. You know, maybe not shocked because he was good mm -hmm. uh, in, in that little size sample size with the Sharks. Uh, but again, yeah, no, I, I, I would be surprised. Not shocked, but surprised. I would be would, shocked. The, I'd uh... be flabbergasted. I would literally faint if someone claimed Limblom. But and Mike Greer would, would do would do uh, would yeah you know, would, uh, the Sharks would put out a gift of Mike Greer doing somersaults because they got the contract yeah. off the books. But doing high fives everywhere. <laughs> All around yeah. the office. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, nah, but yeah. But other than so, that, we didn't have any movement on the defense front. So let's talk mm -hmm. a little bit about who's left on defense and, and where we think it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, before uh, we, we run to that, though, just to recap, though, uh, the mm -hmm. forward count, though, since uh, we're moving yep. on to the defense. So um, so with the three forwards that were waived, right? And so right now, and there's three that I'm taking out of, of there's basically 16 forwards officially on the roster. Uh, but let's assume that Quentin Musty, he is going to get sent back to Sudbury. Uh, mm -hmm. So he, you know, so so he's not going to be here. Mitchell Russell is officially on the roster, but Russell is hurt. And so when he's healthy, he's going to, you know, join the Barracuda. And then the other guy, of course, the big question mark is Logan Couture. And uh, Logan Couture actually uh, skated today for the first time since training camp uh, started. So, you know, essentially the first time in maybe three weeks. And so if this was like the playoffs, the playoffs were like six days from now, then I would say for sure Logan Couture is playing game one of the playoffs. <laughs> but this is game one of the regular season. And his injury, which we, assume, we don't know for sure, but it's lower body and, you know, the kind that can be aggravated if he puts too too much 
too much on it, that sort of thing, right? So it's a fair chance it's like a groin injury, something like that. We don't know for sure, so so sure. not saying it is that for sure. But if it is in that area, though, um, then there is no reason to for him to push it if he's not ready six days from now, opening night. Again, this isn't the playoffs, so so. Mm-hmm. You know, projections, even though it is a great sign for Couture to be back on the ice, is that he will not be uh, he will not be there next Thursday when the Sharks take on the Golden Knights. So anyway, that leaves just to run over the names. We talked about Bordalo and Eklund. Uh, yep. Barabanov, uh, Duclair, Granlin, Hurdle, Hoffman, Kunin, LeBanc, uh, Giovanni Smith, who we talked about, uh, Sturm. Uh, Zadina and Zetterlin and so we'll talk more about that uh, kind of the all the other names that are left on, on the list but I think it is a um, I guess to close before we get to the defense that this is a a, a uh, if these are the 13 fours that start the season uh, with uh, not counting Couture that this is a pretty fair list of, of the guys that who should be here I know mm-hmm. that some people aren't fans of LeBanc and Zetterlin LeBanc's actually had a, a, a decentish camp I don't think had he's a good game here. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think he's he he's done some things there, and he is clearly skilled enough to be in this mm-hmm. league. You know, it's, it's always the question about the other things with him. But sure. you're not going to tell me that Jacob Peterson or Lim Blob or Carpenter outperformed LeBanc in the preseason. You know, we're not talking about last year, right? We're talking about in sure. the preseason, right? And so you, so I don't think that they they did. Um, and then you know Zetterlin, you know, gets some consternation because he wasn't very good with the Sharks last year, but. You know, he's a guy, obviously a big part of the Meyer trade, but also he's a guy that you look at him, you think that he should be better. You know, he does, you know, he, he's strong, he skates well, he goes to the net, you know. Yeah. And also, too, he was not worse than Lindblom, Peterson, and uh, and Carpenter either in the preseason, just to toss, you know, mention those names again. And so, um, so yeah, so, so those are sort of reasons why uh, I think those two also have uh, remained, besides the obvious names like, you know, Hurdle. Yeah, Zetterland is a uh, little wrecking ball, yep. but uh, he, can it does, he can be, but it doesn't seem like always knows where to be on the ice, especially to, to get good offensive uh, chances and such. But, you know, it still has some value, especially because he's probably going to be playing in the bottom six. Yeah, um, he looks like he's taking it for a fourth line. Also, Quinn did mention, yeah. like, um, and I think it's actually a pretty good uh, summation of, of, of Zetterland right now that, like, like, you know, he's out there, like he's a little bowling ball. He's he's out there in the middle of stuff. He just seems like he's that close. Like, you know, yeah. you know, you know, he's he's in he gets good scoring chances in good position. Uh, you know, he puts his body where he needs to, right? And so, you know, maybe just needs like that one goal to kind of open, you know, just to get that weight off, you know, off of him from last year, you know, not 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 scoring. So um yeah. so anyway. Um and somebody anyway, would also pick him. So, like, uh, you know, I don't know about that for sure. Just because might. his contract <laughs> oh, is, he's two years, is yeah. two years, and it's mm-hmm. a little bit more. So maybe, maybe that. not. You know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, but um, like for yeah, example, like two year contract. Yeah, like Alex Zadina will get picked up, I think, for sure. Sure. Just one year, one point one million. Uh, but like mm-hmm. Zetterlin, maybe though, maybe though. Again, teams like 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 scouts like him. You know, that's the why, part of the reason why the Sharks traded for him. That he is, was well thought of. For his time in New Jersey, we just did not see the best of him. Obviously, you know here, um, and so uh, so um, yeah. So hopefully, uh, we will. Anyway, mm-hmm. we'll talk about the the also possible lines and all that kind of stuff. Uh, 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 you know, um, uh, next uh, next week as we get closer to actual yep. opening night. 
Well, let's talk about the defense though. And right now, the Sharks didn't make any moves with their defense. And right now, they still have a very full list. And uh, let's say they do start with 13 forwards and the two goalies, which we're not going to get to because it's going to be Kapo and Mackenzie Blackwood, unless yep. something crazy happens in uh, <laughs> Napa, which where the team is having team bonding this weekend. Um, anyway, though, uh, <clears throat> so right now they have 11 defensemen. Uh, Benning, Burroughs, Emerson, Ferraro, Knizhov, McDonald, Ahutia, uh, Ruda, Shimmick, Thrun, and Vlasic. Only one of these defensemen is waiver-exempt. That's Henry Thrun, of course. Um, so uh, I, it's still kind of a wait-and-see because Shimmick, of course, got hurt, I believe, in the second uh, preseason game, lower yeah. body injury. He hasn't skated since then, and so I think conveniently there's a good chance that he's going to start the season on IR, which will <laughs> help with his decision. Uh, my guess is that McDonald uh, will go to uh, will go to waivers. If you look sure. at the rest of this list, you know Emerson and Ohotiak are younger. Uh, that's a big part. They're younger and not proven, so they have a chance to kind of show themselves. McDonald, I believe, is 29, 30 now. So even though McDonald, I think, is a valid you know number seven defenseman in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ryan Carpenter of defenders. Yeah, the Sharks have <laughs> have plenty of guys like that kind of. You know, all the names I rattled off here that can fill mm-hmm. that role. Uh, you know, Benning, Burroughs, um, we talked about it last week, I think. Ferraro, uh, Vlasic, and Ruda are, are safe, so that's five that are safe there. Yeah. Um is kind of a, a kind of a tweener here where he does have a two-year contract, um, and he's young, but he's not... Uh, Thrun or Emerson Young. And Kostu Kanijov is coming off of a couple of, uh, you know, obviously a lot of significant injuries the last couple mm-hmm. of years. I will say for Kanijov, though, and I think I think that they will they will keep him to start the season. Um, Kanijov, he showed it last year, too, uh, you know, um, that the skating is still there. Obviously, he's huge. Um, he has that potential, you know. You, you, you watch that and you get excited. I think, though, that one thing that I... I have some concern about watching him this preseason is I don't know if the puck moving has evolved enough and not like he has to move it like Eric Carlson, right? Or anything like that, right? But you just got to make sure. that good first pass like all the time. And also too, every once in a while you have to make a nice pass, you know, a stretch pass here and there, right? And I, I, I'm not sure if that's going to be consistent enough uh, for the NHL. Uh, we'll see uh, on, on, that, on that point. He also, you know, can run around a little bit, too. He moves so well, you know, gets himself out of position from time to time, which is normal, you know. And I think losing those two years and that experience, too, uh, you, know, you know, hurts. Uh, but mm-hmm. he is, uh, you know, uh, um, not waiver exempt. He's 25. He's on to your contract, but it's just $1.1 million, I believe, or thereabouts. So, sure. He is a possibility to get picked up. I don't know if he would be. Um, mm-hmm. Ohotiak, I'm fairly sure would be because Ohotiak's younger and you know not not, not very proven. young for yeah. not being uh, uh, waivers uh, yeah. like exempt basically. And Emerson too is along those lines too mm-hmm. uh, that I think. Uh, uh, so anyway, so my I don't know about your 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 final list here, but uh, I think we might agree on this uh, that uh, Thrun, even though Thrun has had a terrific uh, preseason, that. Um, my final, uh, I think they'll go 13, 8, and 2 to keep the guys that are uh, sure. not, uh, yeah, uh, to keep the guys from waivers. And let's assume Shimmick is on IR, McDonald is, um, is waived, um, Thrun is sent down because he's waiver exempt. And so that leaves Benning, Burroughs, yeah, 8, uh, Emerson, Ferraro, Kanijov, uh, Hotia, Garuda, and Vlasic. So what do you think? Ben? Yeah, that's. 
basically my list too. I think at the yeah. beginning of the training camp, I was very sure that Thrun. Yeah, well, actually, even like last. Summer. Yeah, even last like in the summer and all that. Because well, even this, last this, week before Emerson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then they kept adding. They kept adding like six, seven D men, and you're like, why? Why are you adding all these dudes? And like in some ways, they do have better depth now. And and Emerson was yeah. a great pickup. We'll talk about his play in a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I think. And Thrun has done nothing wrong. Like, that's the other thing. Is Thrun hasn't done anything wrong to be like, you don't deserve to make the NHL sure. right now. I think that there's also a very realistic possibility he's on the Sharks roster later in the year um, and just kind of sticks with it uh, somehow or some way, trades or whatever. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe putting him in the AHL, pairing him or putting him with Mukabadulin down there, giving them all the time to like grow together and, and form a solid defensive unit for the Barracuda could be beneficial rather than him yeah. playing a little above his head. Kind of like what happened with like Ferraro and, and a couple other dudes mm. who get like immediately thrust into the NHL. Yep. They might form Absolutely. bad habits. Kind of Absolutely. Thing. I mean, Thrun is more mature. So like sure. there's easily Thrun is ahead of Mukamadoulin, you know, just in mm-hmm. terms of just his ability to handle, I think the NHL game. Mature game. Uh, yeah. yeah, the mature game, even though Mukamadoulin, you know, is, has a higher ceiling. But mm-hmm. I also want to add with, with Thrun, you know, people will be like, oh, you know, campus about meritocracy, you know, Ohotiak was hurt. He didn't even play, hardly played. Uh, you can't yeah. say he's better than Thrun. And yeah, no, Thrun was better than Ohotiak. No one's arguing that. But like, how stupid will you feel as a general manager of a team that Ohotiak turns out to be a pretty good player? You wave him, someone picks him up, he turns out to be a good player. And all you had to do was send him Henry Thrun, our team that is, you know, likely, you know, not not likely to make the playoffs either, right? That you know, down 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 to to the Barracuda for a few weeks to find out how good Ohotiak yeah. is and Amberson is, right? Like, how stupid would you would 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 or how how would you know the fans? How much would they howl if, if Mike Greer <laughs> made it appear meritocracy and sent yeah. down, you know, Ohotiak and he gets snapped up and he turns out ends up being like. A really good bond pairing defenseman, which is sort of what he's projected. You know, like I'm just like a classic example, like Matt Green or something like that, right? Sure. Uh, you know, a old Kings example there, but you know, the perfect bond pairing defenseman. How mad would would, would, would Sharks fans feel that when Mike all had to do was send Henry down down for a few weeks just to find out? You know, Henry's not likely to suffer being down there. He's mature. He's a big kid. You know, he's gonna be able to handle it. You know, that he mm-hmm. got sent down. So, I think uh, it's um, last year. I mean, every year there's about one or two really good waiver claims. Yeah. That you're like, how did this guy go through waivers last year? I think it was the biggest name was probably Yuso Valamaki, who mm-hmm. was uh, claimed by Arizona and put up like 35 points in yeah. like a starting D-man role. It's, you know, there's just still lots of holes with Yuso Valamaki's game, but it was like Calgary just kind of like toyed him around for a while until he could not pass through waivers anymore. And then I don't remember who they promoted uh, over him, obviously, but you know that that kind of thing. They got claimed up, and now yeah. all of Calgary's like, wait, this guy could put up 35 points. Why isn't he on our team? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that that could happen. Not that Ohtiuk's going to be an offensive defender, but like somebody like that, where yeah, you're right. Like they go to a different place, and because we didn't send Thrun down for like the month of October, Ohtiuk uh, gets claimed by somebody. Yeah, and we is. don't find out, mm-hmm. you know, how good he is with with the Sharks or whatever. But also want to add too with uh, with sure. Henry, you know, as good as he has been, like let's not you know get ahead of ourselves. You know, like yeah, like he was on power play one. He scored mm-hmm. some some points. Henry Thrun is not likely to be a PP1 guy. Like, that's not like, sure. uh, how do you say, sustainable. You know, it's, that's not going to translate to opening night. You know, you drop him on PP. That's unfair to Henry to, to sure. drop him on PP1. And so the Sharks, you know, I think they recognize that, which is why they won five floor awards. And I think that's how they'll start the season. Well, they will. They, they tried that out in the last uh, last exhibition game with Mikel Grimlin at, at, at the point. And because I think they recognize that they don't have a clear... 
yeah. a, a clear PP1 quarterback, you know. Um, it doesn't have to be, again, it doesn't have to be Eric Carlson, but anyone even close to that, really, you know. Yeah. And, of course, some people will be like, well, Matt Benning on PP2, what's he doing there? Let's not forget that um, that uh, the second unit of power play, they're often the last unit out before the uh, right before the penalty ends. And so you want, uh, every team is going to have usually a solid defenseman back there. So not to, yeah. so they don't get, they don't get killed defensively once you know the guy the the yeah. uh, the penalty taker is out of the box right and so uh so yeah so you're gonna have a defenseman back there and why bending instead of thrun you know again i like thrun uh i really like thrun i projected him on the roster the whole time um uh going back to the summer you know before they acquired uh, emerson so this is no uh no discredit to to thrun um, but, you know, a guy like Emerson, like I, we think we mentioned last week, is probably better defensively than Thrun right now, uh, mm -hmm. even though Thrun has worked a lot on his game there. A guy like Benning is better defensively than a Thrun right now, probably, right? And offensively, Thrun is better than those guys, but not that much better. That, that it's going to be like, oh, this guy must be up, you know? Sure. Right? He needs more and time. So, he still yeah. has lots to work on. He did improve a lot, I think, in the summer, which yeah, is good he to did. see. He did. He's um, going to be fine. He's going to be fine, so. Yeah. I still like his NHL future for sure. Oh, it's not sure, like this sure. Is the, I love the send it. down of all yeah, send downs. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. So yeah, mm. like I said, I I'm a huge fan of, of Henry Thrun's game, um, but uh, I think he's gonna be he's gonna be fine down there. We'll find out what they've got in a Hotiak and Emerson. You find out that they're not really that good. You wave them again, then you call up Thrun. So <laughs> yeah. easy peasy, right? And I think Shimmick might once he gets off of IR might also be in the the waiver the waiver right. pool yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, just because they've mean, shown that he's not afraid to waive two million dollar plus contracts, you know. It's like, yeah, because no one's gonna one pick him up. <laughs> no one's gonna pick him up, and I don't know. Shimmick is is kind of in this whole thing, kind of lost everywhere. Like I, I don't know. He's still Shimmick. He's never really shown or hasn't shown enough in many years to be like you have to be on this roster. Yeah, that's, kind of that's fair. And he's thirty one now as well. Yeah. So he's still. I, I like his game a lot. You know, he's you know he's he he is probably guy. Very much be a number seven defenseman like a McDonald sure. or maybe even a bottom pairing somewhere, but he makes too much money. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, he was hurt, and so he just kind of, you know, gets pushed out here. Uh, sure. But yeah, once he gets healthy, uh, well, and that's, and we'll see, right? Like, uh, you know, David Quinn has talked about, oh, maybe, uh, you know, you know, Shimmick's improving, uh, don't rule him out opening night yet. And so maybe that will be the case. And then, then they'll have a very interesting decision. But uh, mm -hmm. I still think if Shimmick gets healthy, that, yeah, like you said, that he would be, um, and that lines up with, with uh, what, uh, what I predicted over the summer, that they, they will waive him too. Mm -hmm. um, and then Kakanen and Blackwood. That's our goalies. <laughs> yeah, <we're done. laughs> uh, let's let's talk a little bit about just some guys that um, have stood out or, or plays that you've noticed or any any kind of trends about uh, any of the players in, in training camp because they've had a few surprises. I think um, one for me from last game was Granlund. I really actually enjoyed watching Michael Granlund. <laughs> Um, he, he just, he had tons of hustle. He, there was one play specific, I think he was on the penalty kill where he like dove and like knocked the puck out, I think with his hand, mm -hmm. uh, to get it out of the zone. It reminded me of the famous San Jose Sharks penalty kill from like 2006 mm -hmm. against the Edmonton Oilers. I think it's 2006 in the playoffs. Anyway, old shark stuff where like the defender like jumps and throws the puck out of the sure. zone kind yeah. of thing. Um, and he just had like a lot of hustle for a guy that is a veteran player. It's not like he has to prove that he has to be here, but he, you can hear it from like his interviews where he's like, I am better than 
people think I am kind of thing. And I, and I, it showed he, he looked comfortable, um, in even strength, penalty kill power play looked like a good forward, uh, in a good ad, even if he's a little overpaid right now, I think mm -hmm. there's a chance he could like rebuild his value with the sharks if they, Oh, I, 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 I'm counting on it. I, I, I mm -hmm. like the, uh, you know, I've heard only good things about, uh, Mikhail, uh, in, in camp from Quinn and just like, not like, just like, um, how do you say it? Uh, just like coach the, speak, the, like coach speak. Like he yeah. like he really likes Granlin's game. Sure. And uh, yeah. we saw a lot of just just small like the very first play uh, against the Kings last night in Salt Lake City. Uh, uh, Granlin on a forecheck steals it. Quick pass to Eklund. Eklund finds Kunin right in the slot. Yep. You know. Um, so Granlin is underrated in in really a lot of ways. People are are sleeping on him. I know he had mm -hmm. a rough time in Pittsburgh. So yeah. No, I I I I, I expect a, a lot um, uh, out. Of him. Um, otherwise, uh, besides that, uh, I've written about it. Mike Hoffman has actually surprised me. Like, just mm. um, his, uh, everyone knows about his shot, but he's actually a very good puck mover. Like, on a power mm -hmm. play, a lot of crafty little passes. Even for his goal, right, uh, uh, yesterday, um, it's his neutral zone pass to Hurdle. Um, that uh, and a hurdle is able to to lead it into the zone yep. and then um, you know that's just like a you know it's not like the most complicated pass ever but it's the veteran play. right in stride and if you watch mm -hmm. him on the power play you know he is a he is a very good puck mover um, obviously he thinks to shoot first so there's and that's sure. his game he should um, besides that let me see uh, just a couple more guys uh, uh, for me uh, uh, we mentioned Giovanni Smith. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely belongs on this roster. Also, too, actually, Philippe, uh, Philip Zadina. I talked with David Quinn about this. Was going to write about this a little bit. Uh, David Quinn loves his compete. I talked about called him an honest player. Which, if you read anything that I've written about William Eklund, you know that that is a real compliment from uh, mm -hmm. from from uh, from David uh, for a young player to to be called that. And so with uh, Philip, of course, it's just a matter of uh, can he produce right. Uh, but also, too, and Tomas Hurdle talked about a little bit, you know, Philip has talked about, you know, confidence being a problem in Detroit. If he's not producing, you know, Philip has shown that he can still help you as a player. So he's mm. got to not get down on himself if he's not, you know, putting up the, 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 the goals or the points that he expects and just concentrate on doing, you know, being excelling in the other areas of the game, winning puck battles and getting just even getting chances, accumulating those, you know, things that he's done in the past, right? Not get down about that. And then the production will likely, you know, start from mm -hmm. there. Um, so, yeah, I think I think those are those are a couple of things that have stood out to me uh, about uh, about camp. Yeah, Zanina is a good, uh, he's a good defensive forward already, and like you said, lots of hustle, lots of, lots of compete, and um, but yeah, it's it's kind of been this thing since he was in Detroit. It's just his production has not been there. So, I, hopefully, he's got enough confidence now with San Jose that him being next to Hurdle, that yeah. he's like not going to be down on himself because the the points aren't coming right away. But um, yeah, I liked um, I liked Zadina. I think Bordelos had. And, like we mentioned, great two games, um, lots of um, patience, uh, which is not something that, like, Bordelow is always known for. Sometimes he makes things happen, or, like, he uh, forces plays and uh, leads to bad turnovers. Yeah. And he didn't really have that much this these past two games, which was good. I predict that he'll need a little more time in the AHL. Um, I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Eventually. we talked about this um, uh, with him before that, you know, less is more. And I mm -hmm. think he's still learning that. And I think that, uh, but it's what I guess what I'll say though is that it is really promising though that like sure. 
the message seemed to sink in the last couple of games. Like it's the message is there to sink in, unlike you know <laughs> other you know Sharks uh, uh, prospects like you know just Ryan Merkley, right? So the message sure. seems to be sinking in, you know, and so it might take a little time this year, but it's good that that you know that's happening. Mm-hmm. Eklund's still a superstar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, finally, let's just mention a couple more guys and then and then get out of here, and, and you guys can listen to the Ryan Miller interview. But I really enjoyed watching Ty Emerson. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he's got a lot of defensive value. He's got, he's got good feet. Like he's got he good backward well. skating yeah. moves really well. He had he's a few in the plays right place, stronger mm-hmm. than, you know, than, you know, good breakout passes. Gap. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, you know, he's, he's not like, obviously got, got like crazy good hands and he's not going to make like, you know, his money being a you know, power play producer or anything like that. But he, um, a, a couple of times was like stopping up rushes before they entered, uh, into the mm-hmm. zone. And I was just impressed, especially because it's like he got claimed, moved across the country, and then plopped into this lineup, and he, yeah. he did really well. Um, I think it was a great pickup, yeah. especially for a 23-year-old um, defender that the Sharks are going to hopefully kind of grow with if he does keep improving. Um, I, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> um, Kenny Jav, like you mentioned, was okay, not terrible. Um, and um, uh, finally... Um, who else? Uh, Blackwood. Blackwood was the last one I want to mention. Mm. Um, he's going to, I think the consensus is probably going to be that Kakinen's the starter and Blackwood is kind of the backup. If that's, what do you think? Mm. No, I, I mean, mean like Blackwood was brought in to be the starter, um, but uh, I think, I think he was brought in to be the starter, but Kakinen obviously, Blackwood, yeah. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just based on the past, Blackwood has been a starter before. Kakinen sure. has never quite done it, you know. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Blackwood's been hurt the last couple of years. Uh, but, you know, Kaplan has been so good in camp uh, and, in, in his preseason games. But Blackwood's been good, too. You know, Blackwood hasn't been as good, but he's been pretty sure. good, too. Um, and so, we'll see. I think it is an open question who gets opening night. But that doesn't mean that's going to be the Sharks' number one guy. Yeah, uh, You know, course. it could probably end up being, like, uh, indeed, a kind of a 1A, 1B. I think that's what they're hoping, that they're both very good and so maybe you have like a 45 35 splitting mm-hmm. games about right and so that that might be ideal um and that kind of trends the way that you know people you know use their goaltenders now there's very few like connor hell book types that play 60 games you know at these yeah. these days right and so uh, whether that's going to be you know blackwood or captain will obviously just be up to them you know i think that again that going into training camp that blackwood had a little bit of the edge just in terms of um name yeah. and in terms of just like uh just a you know projection maybe right but uh Kakinen, it's close very close though and Kakinen can make up for that or you know might have made up for that little bit of difference uh with you know a terrific preseason yeah he had a um a fantastic game so i guess this is less about blackwood and more about Kakinen, but <laughs> he had a um he had a very good game and he, he looks a little bit different in net than i remember him from last year like uh he mentioned that he changed some things Kakinen yeah yeah did. A little year, more stay at back. home, I think. Well, well, yeah, we can mm-hmm. break that. I mean, it's preseason, though. You know, if I, yeah. if I play preseason, someone would find something nice. David will find something nice to say about That's me, true. I'm sure. Put me in so, net. I'll do great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tries, tries hard, you know, something like yeah. that, you know. So, um, so can like, stand on the ice. Yeah, yeah, can stand on the ice without falling. Yeah. So, so we'll <laughs> see, you know, if, if uh, the preseason uh, success uh, extends into the regular season, then, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll talk more about, you know, the changes in Kakinen's game. But right now, it's still... Everyone's excited. Everybody's undefeated. So yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm saying Kakinen gets the starting nod, but we'll talk about predictions next week. Opening night, yeah. Opening night. Okay. We'll see. 
All right, I think Chang. Blackwood. Any, you think Blackwood? All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're going to flip a coin here. It's 50-50. Yeah. It's um, close. It's close, yeah. It is, yeah, man. Um, anyway, any other uh, final thoughts before we get out of here? No. Nope. I'm, no? I'm pretty good here. We have an incredible uh, interview with uh, Ryan Miller. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, it's what's well, not a, like a terribly long interview, but like, you know, I think he he puts a lot of thought into 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 pretty much every question. Um, and so, yeah, enjoy. All right. Bye, guys. Hope you have a good week. Bye. We've got a special guest here on the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. We've got the winniest goalie in American history with 391 wins. He played 18 years with the Buffalo Sabres, St. Louis Blues, Vancouver Canucks, and Anaheim Ducks. And he was just hired by the San Jose Sharks as a goalie scout and to work in goaltending development. Welcome, Ryan Miller. Hey, thanks, guys. Well, first, actually, uh, Ryan, I actually wanted to welcome you home. I don't think everybody knows that you were a proud Santa Clara Blackhawks alum. So when did you live yeah. here, and what got your family out here to the Bay Area? Yeah, that's something not a lot of people know is I, I did spend some time in California as a kid. My dad worked for Symantec mm. uh, as a software company, and, uh, you know, they were based in Silicon Valley, and uh, we moved to the Santa Clara area, and I spent about two full years out there uh mm -hmm. right around the age of six till i was about eight and uh actually kind of served as inspiration uh want to play goalie ended up starting to play goalie out there yeah i heard a story that at first we had to thank Symantec and uh antivirus uh yeah. software you guys remember um we had to thank Symantec for getting you out here but uh i read a story that uh, you had to kind of beg your dad to try your dad didn't want you to play goal no, I think it's always a hard one. Uh, you know, knowing what I know about goaltending now, it, it, it is hard to watch your, your son play. And I have <laughs> gotten a chance to watch my son play, so I know how my dad was feeling. But uh, I just felt strongly about the position, and uh, I was really interested in it, curious about it, and, and uh, I enjoyed it when I got the chance to play. So I, I wanted to do more. And, um, yeah, he kind of – he was – my dad was my coach at the time and he kind of mm -hmm. laid down the law and is like, well, listen, like I, I need you to skate, I need you to play. And, uh, I kept asking, kept asking and he kind of wasn't letting me try. So I, I said, listen, I'm not playing anymore unless I get to try it, but this is in the middle of the game. <laughs> and he said, sure. If you go out and get like two more goals and get three assists, I, I think I already had a goal. And he's like, you can try. And I went out and did it like in a period. <laughs> and I kind of came back to the bench, like, all right, like, Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I love a six-year-old Ryan Miller already exercising his leverage as an athlete. So it's very good. Um, uh, also, to your cousins, uh, Kevin and Kip, uh, they both played for the Sharks. And so I wonder when you were a kid, I mean, did you have any Sharks experiences growing up? Ever get taken to the locker room? I don't know. Uh, might, you know, going to any games at, the, say, the Cow Palace? Well, yeah mainly on the road because uh, mm -hmm. we had moved back to Michigan by then. Ah, okay. uh, my brother and I were actually the early petitioners for the team. I remember my dad likes to tell a story. My mom as well. Like uh, we took our wagon out and we we're going door to door and we had a, the, the actual form and pamphlet that uh, was going around oh. uh, to sign off. <laughs> That's the, crazy. Okay. Get the city to sign off. Like we want an NHL club in, in, oh, this, wow. okay. in this part of the world. And like, <laughs> right, you have to go to all the citizens and, get it on the docket and all that stuff. And uh, the youth hockey wasn't real big then, but, uh, you know, it was enough. And uh, we were all kind of trying to do our part. <laughs> so it worked. And that's, that's absolutely a crazy story. Um, yeah. 
so fast forwarding a little bit in your career, I think you're 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 most well known for playing um, with a lot of very good uh, uh, Buffalo Sabres teams. Um, what can you tell us about Mike Greer back then? Uh, well, Greerzy and I have a, a real fun relationship. I just like that he loves to laugh. He likes to be uh, a little bit loose with his friends. Uh, he has that competitive nature, but he's he just has that big laugh, and we have a mm-hmm. lot of fun uh, with him. Uh, but also inspirational. He's a tough, hard player to play against. He brought a great edge to the team. Uh, but on the other end of it, you just, you just the kind of guy you, you're going to get a big hug and you're going to get a lot of laughs. And uh, I had a ton of fun with him, and I'm glad to be reunited with him. It's, it's fun to be around uh, Mike and and talk with him. And 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 uh, you know, I'm thankful that I have this opportunity it's to use my hockey brain a little bit here. And and uh, get back to work. Yeah, is it interesting seeing Mike on the other side of things where it's kind of like what happened with your Sabres teams when you were coming into the league where um, in 2002, 2003, the team was older, coming out of the Dominic Hasek era, uh, and they struggled a little bit. And then three years later, you're the starter and the Sabres are making the conference finals with a lot of young players, like taking up the mantle and everything. Um, do you feel some of that is kind of like happening in San Jose where they're, they're in the down years for right now and, and trying to, to rebuild back up? Yeah, I mean, a team needs an identity, right? And um, I think in those years that were kind of down years, they were the Sabres were slowly developing that identity. And I think as young guys, I don't think we were the ones to define that entirely. It's It was really guys like Greerzy and, and Chris Drury and, Daniel Briere, all guys are now GMs in the league. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's just they, they, they started to build an identity. And then our energy and our youth, you know, we slotted in just really nicely to that because we had uh, quality people, quality players. And that energy, that spark uh, really is what kind of put it over the edge. Uh, and we got close a couple times to really reaching our goal. But uh you know, NHL being the NHL is it's a hard trophy to, to win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, we got close, but it, we did have the right mix. We had the right energy. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, you can see the Sharks going that direction because it's going to take an identity that's developed uh, in, a, in a new kind of way. You know, you, know, you have some longtime players who have moved on uh, in the last few years. So it really is going to be about what do the San Jose Sharks uh, look like and what do they stand for? Uh, you know, in the next few years and, and who's going to define that. And I, I think coming, I was able to come up for training camp, spend some time and really watch some of the players. And it, it's a great opportunity for these guys because they get to write their own story. And, and there are a lot of jobs uh, available to push for, you know, it's an exciting time for these guys. Uh, it's, the sky's the limit. Well, Ryan, uh, now that you're retired, uh, can you share any good shark stories from, you know, your playing days? You know, you're in the Western Conference for the last half of your career. Yeah, no, I mean, no real fun ones because uh, <laughs> coming to Anaheim, we uh, we matched up in the playoffs and were quickly swept out of there by the Sharks. Uh, so, yeah, that was, that was a tough one. Uh, you know, coming to Anaheim, changing roles for me, you know, being more of a backup goalie. But that first year, I was uh, kind of exciting. I got to play a lot down the stretch. Uh, Gibson was John Gibson, the starting goalie, was hurt, uh, so I got to play a lot of hockey down the stretch there. So I was that was an exciting time for me. New team, playoff run. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. But the Sharks kind of threw some water on that fire. Um, <laughs> 
But no, I just remember over the years playing against, you know, Marlowe, Thornton, even, you know, back in Roenick, you know, like going way, way back against uh, some, mm-hmm. you know, really great players. And um, I don't know. I, I loved coming to San Jose because they did have the, that connection and, you know, remembering uh, just, I remember coming the first time to play. I can't remember exactly, but um, yeah, just that feeling like, wow, like, okay, I'm in the NHL then. Wow, isn't this weird? I grew I had yeah, a, wow, yeah. I lived here exactly. I lived here as a kid and <laughs> there was no team and now there's a team and then we're playing like it was just you know, kind of one of those trippy things where you you're playing like, wow, San Jose, Santa Clara, like <laughs> playing in the NHL here now. I used to you know, play in a, in the mall in Santa Clara you know, like they had like this tiny little rink and kind of halfway underground. So yeah, it, it's uh it's kinda cool to look back on. Hey, Ryan, I know we don't have tons of time, so we're going to hit with like the hard hitting questions now. <laughs> um, who's the best American goalie not named Ryan Miller? Go. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I got, I'd like to see John Gibson get a, get a chance here with get the ducks on the right side of things just for his sake. I know that I'm in, on the competing side now, so we don't want him to do too well, but uh, Gib, <laughs> Gibby's got a lot of talent. Um, and then you you got a whole cro- you know crop of young guys coming up. Um, uh, I, I guess you know Ottinger looked good last year. Uh, we have uh, Hellebuck has been consistent. I mean, he's probably the one you would say right now has the mantle. He's well. We uh, mean in the history of uh, uh, of American goalies, though. <laughs> oh, I mean, I. Uh, I don't know. I I loved watching Mike Richter as an American. Sure, so did I. He's kind of, he's kind of a go-to. Um, I, I I go with him. Okay, all right. So no offense, right. Jonathan Quick. Ryan Miller says Mike Richter. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. So since you've announced your retirement, you said you wanted to get into goaltending development. Um. Obviously, with your new role with the Sharks, what's attractive to you about that new role? What do you like about it? Well, I just spend so much time focusing on myself in that regard. Like I, it's kind of one of those, I used to walk to school both ways uphill and, you know, mm-hmm. into the wind both ways kind of thing. But it's like when I came into the league, it was really like you were kind of left on your own to kind of figure mm-hmm. a few of these things out. And what would have really helped me and what did end up helping me was finding other inputs and other influences to different parts of my hockey career. So it wasn't all just coming from like, my current coaches it was people i you know so like i went to michigan state they're known to be an osteopathic medical school somebody who could help me with my body alignment and, and uh, the way i worked out specific to being a goaltender who is anyone who knows me i'm i'm taller but i'm very slight build uh i need to train a certain way mm. to be effective and to maintain a certain level of energy and, and a certain uh well to just be effective in what I do. So I had to seek that out. Uh, I'm a big proponent of sports psychology, uh, having somebody to talk to and, and really help you set goals and, uh, you know, just have a understanding of your feelings. You're never going to have a full control over that, but like just have an understanding. So, you know, seeking out that kind of help and attention. Uh, I mean, just every aspect, goaltending coach, doctors, basically a pit crew like 
as a professional athlete, mm-hmm. the amount of games you play and the amount of time you spend focusing, you know, massage therapists, you know, trainers, everything. Yeah. I would seek that out because I knew that it might give me a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And now we see this a lot more and that uh, the teams are providing that in-house, yeah. which is awesome. But I think that my, you know, it was my job for almost 20 years. You know, if counting juniors in college, you know, 25, almost 30 years of effort spent on that side of things. Um, I have a lot of, you know, quick knowledge to give. It's not like I have to go research it. I can sure. reference everything very quickly. And when I see it in younger goalies or even goalies who have played a little bit in the NHL, I, I can pick things out pretty quickly that uh, maybe I ran into. It doesn't take me long. So really just want to use that side of my hockey brain. Like I, I spent a lot of time focusing inward and obviously that can't last forever. So, mm-hmm. you know, focusing outward. And then why the um, why the Sharks specifically? Were there other teams interested? Did you go through a process with that as well? well I mainly, you talked about Santa Clara yeah. and all that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's just one of those ironies of life kind of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, big, the biggest part is my career. Uh, mm-hmm. um, when I retired, Noreen, my wife, uh, and I, we were trying for a second child, and we have been blessed with a baby girl. She's a year and a half old now. Thanks. So we have our son, Bodie, who's eight and we have a one and a half year old girl. So, uh, I wasn't looking to do anything and Greers and I talked and came up with a, a, a way for me to contribute on a high level still, and still have that family time that I'm craving. And, uh, and then when the time comes, I, I'm sure I can spend a little bit more time in the hockey world, but I'm trying to really balance it right now. I I don't want to be missing holidays. I don't want to miss birthdays. And once you enter into that hockey schedule, that's, that's what you're signing up for. So, um, really it was just that conversation with Greerzy because I talked to a few other teams about other positions and I realized that the way I did things and the way I would do a job would be probably the busiest job in all of hockey. So (laughs) I didn't want to do that to myself or my family at the time. And what does it mean to join another organization with Thomas Vanek? <laughs> it's cool. It's fun. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about it yet, but uh, you know our roles being pretty different. But it, it's yeah. gonna be fun. To, it's gonna be fun when we can eventually cross paths, and I'm sure there'll be a reason to catch up uh, on all this stuff real soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike, uh, when we asked him about you a couple weeks ago, one of the things he said was, um, you know, when he played with you, uh, he just kind of could see how you saw the game and how thoughtful and analytical you were about it. And um, I think you sort of touched on it with, uh, you know, the, the talk about uh, Michigan State and um, just the resources that they had. But what does Mike mean by that when he talks about just how, uh, how thoughtful and analytical you are about goaltending? Well, I, I tried to pay attention and gain an, an advantage anywhere I could. Uh, mm. I just think, you know, when video was becoming a resource, I wanted to see every shooter. Uh, when we finally had subscription services that actually came up on, uh, you know, I just watch hockey because eventually I'm going to play that guy. So like, I'm just going to watch and absorb and I'm going to take it in and figure out what it means to my game. And uh, it means I've seen a lot of hockey, played a lot of hockey, uh, you know, so I think that just 
as a hockey player, you do have to be a student of the game. Like you can't just say, Oh, I just skate around and see what happens. Like you have to catch the patterns that are happening. You have to be able to play with different kind of players. So that means you have to know them. You have to actually know who they are uh, on the ice. I mean, <laughs> it's great to get to know your teammates as well, but you also have to know who they are on the ice and, and how you can uh, get the most out of that interaction. So um, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think that uh, maybe that's what he's picking up on because I, I took my role as a goaltender uh, and ended up you know, being the starting goalie for a long time on a lot of teams. You have to really be uh, almost like a politician. Like you have to kind of get along with everybody and communicate with everybody in a certain way. And um, most, I'd say 90 some percent of teams I'm on, everybody gets along great. There are mm-hmm. a few, there are a few odd ducks along the way, so you still have to bring them into the fold as a goaltender and, and be able to talk with them. So, um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, but I think he's just picking up on that. I tried to check off every box. Hmm. And to put you on the spot uh, again, I guess, uh, what's uh, <laughs> something that's you think is undervalued in goaltending development and scouting, and something that's overvalued, something that you it gets mentioned a lot that you don't think is as important. Uh, that's a tough one because all of those things can bite you because uh, mm-hmm. I think bigger is not necessarily better all the time, but there is mm-hmm. kind of a tipping point where uh, sure. goalies of certain size, they, they are going to have trouble uh, in certain areas unless they really make up for it with outstanding technique. So sometimes size is a little bit overvalued, I think. Uh, undervalued is probably just the guys who can play the game. I think we look at guys who do things really, really well, uh, technically, uh, but there's still a lot of feel that I think needs to go into goaltending. So guys who can, in the moment, put themselves in the best chance, you know, to get hit with a puck, you're still kind of looking for that. Uh, sometimes guys think in the moment they're just, oh, I'm perfectly aligned, my hands are perfect, mm-hmm. everything's great, the puck should hit me. You know, I'm really looking for the guys who know that's not the case. Sure. And something else that Mike said was that uh, looking back at your playing style, your history, that he said that every so many years uh, you would change your style to the way the game was played. You know, when you're younger, you're more aggressive, and then you kind of backed it more as you uh, got older, and just you adjusted your style for sort of the era. And so my question is, um, if you were playing today, uh, what would your playing style be? Well, I was moving it in a direction where uh, I was trying to play on the post a little bit better, play back more than I used to. Like you said, like you could get away with being more aggressive back in the day. Defensive schemes were built kind of around that and offensive schemes. Guys were not finding some of those softer spots, but guys are willing to shoot from different areas now where I think early on in my career, they might get just immediately put in the stands for some of the shots that you're seeing right now. But uh (laughs) Uh, a lot of those shots can go in, and they do go in. Uh, they're not really wasted shots. Guys have gotten really good at finding soft spots on the ice and, and practicing in those areas, and goalies have to adjust. And uh, I think even now you're having to adjust again. You know, got, Guys are playing down a lot on low-angle shots, but shooters are adjusting. We have to you know, see the goalies adjust again. You can't just assume something's going to happen. I like to see guys who are in the moment uh, make a good choice. Uh but the main thing now is you just never want to overextend and give up the net too much. Mm-hmm. Go fly it and taking yourself too far out, outside the post. Guys are just 
guys are just that good now where they're just okay the goalie's over committing and i'm sending it to the guy who is open and sure you know they, they're noticing when the guys get a little bit out of control you know they're not they're not uh you know wasting their bullets you know they see the guys you know might have a disadvantage or they're hitting that play and um so i think goaltending's constantly like cat and mouse it's adjusting to the mm. shooters and and it's been fun to watch over the last few years. Guys have gotten really technical, but I think you're starting to see that, you know, you're coming back into a lot of field being uh, used as well. Okay, great. Well, Ryan, we just want to thank you so much for your time. I know we're almost at time. We have uh, just three questions to go. Uh, so, Keegan, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, you're here uh, with the Sharks now. We touched on it a little bit, but what's your, your scope of your, your job? Are you going to be more around with the Barracuda, or is this kind of like junior prospects and, and uh, amateur prospects going forward that you're going to be scouting and seeing? I think I'm going to be able to kind of touch on everything. Uh, I think when I have time and I can get up there, it's going to be to check in. I know that my son's playing in a hockey tournament in uh, <laughs> November up there, so I'm definitely going to make sure to pop in for Does everything I can. Goalie, by the way, or is he a skater? No, he's he likes to skate out. He said he's okay. about 10% more of a player than a goalie so he got hit by a shot and he was over it <laughs> a lot of kids have that feeling <laughs> and uh just so wondering just uh, your general impressions of sharks training camp i know that you can't get too much about the specific you know prospects that the sharks have but just your general impressions because you said that yeah. you were uh, here for the beginning of camp yeah and that was a good pace the guys looked like they were uh, ready to compete and uh from the preseason i saw i i so I've been watching a little bit, then I went live to watch in Anaheim. They carried the play oh, in Anaheim, yeah. so that was encouraging. Uh, I know the score didn't end up that way, but, uh, you know, they, they were making plays, and they definitely got their chances, and that's what you want to see. Hmm. And uh, finally, I just want to wrap up with, um, I know that uh, uh, you're a uh, big part of the Steadfast Foundation, so I just wanted to give kind of that spotlight so you can talk about, uh, uh, you know, more about the, the organization. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, that's another thing that evolves. You know, in my hockey career, you change your style, and, and the and our foundation also. Our platform has changed a little bit since I'm not in mm -hmm. Buffalo uh, or in Michigan as much full time, where we really had a foothold. Uh, but we do continue to do a lot of work with uh, uh, with uh, Carly's Club in, uh, in in Buffalo, New York, and and the Sabers. When I had my jersey retired, uh, created an endowment that would carry on uh, a lot of the good work there so we're going to look to escalate that back up uh in buffalo this year for sure and and, and hopefully that can uh, grow and grow okay great great so everybody uh go to the steadfast foundation uh, uh online online they can contribute there right yeah they so issues that sometimes we run promotions and little things that during the pandemic i had some equipment available just to raise money for some of the food banks and different things. Mm -hmm. So you do have to kind of keep an eye out, but if you follow on social media, I usually, if anything comes up, I'll put it up. Uh, I'm not the best at being a daily kind of person, but I'll, I let people know. Okay. Right. And that's the steadfastfoundation.org, everybody. And Thanks, so guys. finally, Ryan, I just want to say uh, uh, congratulations. Thank you for joining us. Um, uh, joining the Sharks and congratulations on a fantastic career. Uh, good luck on the next chapter, and we'll see you around. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ryan.
Thank you, Ryan.